Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash strange. netsuite.com slash strange. netsuite.com slash strange. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. The summer of 2016. It was a simpler time. Now, hear us out. It was a period before we fully understood the implications of what it means when everyone can start a podcast. It was quieter. And most importantly, it was the season of Pokemon Go. Briefly, that summer, the whole world, young and old and in between, were fixated on the prospect of catching them all. Whatever a Snorlax or a Gumi is, we sure did want to find them. Combing maps of our neighborhoods, racing to local landmarks, tossing digital balls at augmented reality scenes through our camera lenses, playing in our world, but with a fun little pastel-colored alien creature thingy, and getting our steps in. Strangers, it was as pure and joyful a cultural phenomenon as we've ever experienced. Of course... Nothing good and pure lasts long in this zeitgeist. Eventually, there's always some dark twist, isn't there? For Pokemon Go, it was the fear-mongering that follows whenever young people collectively decide to enjoy something. First, the rumors began. Namely, that Pokemon Go was leading people to shadowy, culty monuments deep in the woods, which it wasn't, or onto private property on which they were shot at, as far as we know they weren't, or to perish in distracted driving accidents, which they did not. As Snopes.com will tell you, all those very real stories that circulated in 2016 proved to be, well, very fake stories. Pokemon Go was not leading anyone to their doom. But... That's not to say that things didn't get weird. Or that during that time, some, well, downright 
unearthly creatures didn't make any appearances here on the Earth that we see with our eyes and not our camera phones. Maybe all that exploring just gave us extra opportunities to spot them. And that's where today's story begins. The year was, of course, 2016. The state was Buckeye. That's right, we're in Ohio. In Loveland, Ohio, to be exact. The northeastern fringe of the Cincinnati metro area. It was a sticky evening in August, and teenager Sam Jacobs was on the hunt for Pokemon. As he told Fox 19, he and his girlfriend were walking down Loveland Madeira Road near a synagogue when they crossed a set of train tracks and headed down the banks of Lake Isabella to scoop up some water-type Pokemon. Per Hamilton County's official website, it's a decently-sized lake, 28 acres to be exact, nestled just off Highway 275. It's mostly known as a good spot to do a bit of fishing. So imagine Sam's surprise when, as he approached the water in search of digital companions, he saw a very real figure crouching by the water. Per WLWT, Sam said, We saw a huge frog near the water. N not in the game. This was an actual giant frog. Which sounds fine in theory. Frogs and their dear friends, the toads, can of course get big. Maybe the size of a salad plate or an adolescent guinea pig, right? Wrong. Stop picturing whatever frog you're currently picturing. Instead, think big. Like, four feet tall big. And standing on its hind legs big. Yes, you heard us. This frog, strangers, was bipedal. With a frog's face, as it turned out, but stuck right on a more humanoid body. And as Sam stood there watching, the crouching frogman slowly rose. It was watching him, too. Sam, shaken, had the most illogical and yet 21st century response ever. He held up his smartphone. Sam stood on the bank, taking grainy pictures of this bipedal frog. No word on his girlfriend's reaction, but we might have considered, you know, running very quickly in the opposite direction. Just saying. Luckily for Sam, his lady friend, and their Pokemon, the Frogman decided not to bother with them and slipped away into the darkness. We assume, though it was too dark to tell, back into Lake Isabella. We have to assume that, once it became clear the couple was not going to be eaten by a Frogman, their squirtle hunting excursion must have come to a swift end. How could you write off seeing a frogman? But, on the other hand, how could you believe your eyes if they were showing you a frogman? Sam later held firm on his story to WLWT. I realize this sounds crazy, but I swear on my grandmother's grave this is the truth. Not sure if it was a frogman or just a giant frog. Either way, I've never seen anything like it. We haven't either, Sam. And we still haven't. Even after looking at the pictures Sam took of his not-Pokemon giant bipedal frog friend. We've seen them, and you can too, because this evidence 
seems to have been shared with every local outlet in and around Loveland. Here's the thing. All due respect to Sam, the pictures and video that he managed to capture are not great. In dark conditions and faced with an unexpectedly large and humanoid frog, we can't blame him. What we can get from the so-called evidence is darkness, with the occasional flash of what could be two huge glowing yellow eyes. This could be any person, any creature, or street lamps, or camera glare, or two perfectly parallel aircraft positioned just the right way. You get the idea. But a smoking frog gun? It is not. And this is far from the first time a frogman disappeared without a solid trace. Perhaps it will surprise you, or more likely it won't, to know this was not the first sighting of a man-like frog in Loveland, Ohio. Far from it, in fact. Though, as with all cryptid stories, we regret to inform you that the details are a little fuzzy. And we further regret to share, if you are at all familiar with this cryptid, you're probably expecting to hear about a particular detail at this point. Namely, that at some point in the story, the frogmen pulled out big, fat wands. Magic wands. We are so sorry to disappoint you, but this appears to be a modern addition to the frogman lore. And we can't tell from when or where it originated. But there was no wands spotted by Sam Jacobs, and there's not a single wand in any of the 20th century reporting on these frogmen. Zilch, we're sorry. That said, we do feel confident in reporting the following. Most sources agree that the Loveland legacy of creepy amphibians appears to date back all the way to 1955. Per the Cincinnati Inquirer, a businessman claimed to have been relaxing near the Little Miami River, which runs throughout southwestern Ohio, but passes right through Loveland. On the banks of that river, this unnamed businessman allegedly spotted three frog-like men, or man-like frogs, enjoying the scenery. We truly wish we could tell you more about this sighting, what time of day, for example, or where the frogmen went when this businessman lost track of them. Modern sources claim to have many more details that the businessman allegedly provided to the press back in 55, but we couldn't verify any of it. Suffice it to say, Snope surmises that this businessman said he saw a frog face atop a four-foot humanish body, complete with webbed fingers and toes and wrinkled heads. The Inquirer adds only this admittedly excellent detail. Quote, He said the creatures left the scent of almonds and alfalfa. Describe the scent of alfalfa. We dare you. Almonds? Fine. That's a distinct scent, though admittedly a strange one for a frog. But how much alfalfa is anyone smelling? Would you know that smell right off the bat? You know what? Never mind. Don't answer that. In any case, sources do agree with more clarity that the next frogman sighting occurred nearly two decades later, in February of 1972. And whatever happened in 1955, must have made an impact with the people of Loveland, because even now, reporters were more than happy to use the phrase, 
Frogman. According to the Dayton Daily News, two officers in the Loveland Police Department were out patrolling early in the morning of February 3rd. Per the Farmer's Almanac, temperatures would have been hovering just below 40 degrees with a cloudy night sky above Loveland. Patrolman Ray Shockey was keeping watch on Riverside Drive and Kemper Road near the Little Miami River when, at about 1.15 a.m., he saw something. That something was, according to the Daily News, three feet tall and resembled the Gill Man from Hollywood's Creature of the Black Lagoon. That would have been a little bit of a dated reference even in the early 70s. Black Lagoon had changed the B-movie game back in 1954, a year before the first documented Frogman sighting. So do with that information what you will. Patrolman Shockey knew the film, but he didn't know what to do about the seemingly real Frogman he was seeing on the banks of the Little Miami River. He reported it to his higher-ups, but per the Daily News, no action was taken, even though there were allegedly other stories of some unknown beastie roaming the Loveland environs. We imagine that justifying a frogman hunt to the taxpayers was not a task the Loveland Police Department wanted to undertake. But the department didn't have much time to stew on that potential project, because a little over a week later, another frogman sighting came by another officer. According to WCPO, this patrolman, Mark Matthews, didn't necessarily believe that the creature from the Black Lagoon had relocated from the Amazon up to suburban Ohio. But his colleague's demeanor led Mark to believe that he'd certainly seen something and been spooked. And so, on February 10th, 1972, Officer Matthews was driving down Kemper Road, in the same spot Officer Shockey had seen his frogman. And, lo and behold, a creature emerged from the riverbank and skittered across the road. WCPO wrote in 2016 that this creature was different from the previous iterations, in that it was on four legs. It was not especially frog-like in this account, but per a Dayton Daily News article back in the 1970s, the creature did hop like a frog on powerful hind legs. Make of that discrepancy what you will, but note that both sources come back into agreement as Officer Matthews faced down his opponent. Whether hopping or skittering, it was headed right for Officer Matthews, who still had no earthly idea what he was looking at. All sources agree on what happened next, but per the Daily News, quote, The patrolman, doubtlessly thoroughly unnerved, yanked out his 357 Magnum and blasted it four times. The thing supposedly made a convulsive leap and disappeared into the river. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That was the last anyone saw of the apparent frogman for some time, and enthusiasts of the bizarre and mythologized started to get anxious. Where was the frogman? In October of 1985, the Fort Myers News Press spoke with Edgar Slotkin, professor of folklore at the University of Cincinnati. Professor Slotkin was attending the American Folklore Society's annual meeting, and he seemed a little concerned for our leathery, amphibious friend. It hadn't made an appearance for some time, per Slotkin, though he thought that it would change. It happens in a cycle that I haven't been able to pin down. It hasn't been sighted in a while, actually, so I expect it to show up fairly soon. Fairly soon, however, turned out to be 44 years after Officer Matthews shot and seemingly vanquished the Frogman. Which brings us to 2016, when Sam Jacobs and his girlfriend found out the hard way when they were hunting Pokemon in Frogman country. Actually, they were hunting Pokemon at Lake Isabella, less than a mile from the intersection where those officers ran into the Frogman in 1972. Now, these three or four sightings together do raise some questions. There is, of course, the matter of whether our friendly neighborhood frogman is bipedal, or whether he skitters more like a possum, or other nocturnal vermin. If indeed a frogman, is it leathery or slimy? Is there a solo frogman or several? Do any of them smell like almonds or alfalfa? These are all pressing questions for local cryptid enthusiasts to dig into. Or they would be, except for one strange thing. The Loveland Frogman was revealed to be a hoax in 2016, or at least that was the intent. We still have plenty of questions. When Sam Jacobs went public about his Frogman sighting in 2016, he got a lot of attention. Weirdos like us, sure, but also from one Mark Matthews, a former officer with the Loveland Police Department. Yes, the Mark Matthews, who saw the Frogman while out on patrol and then shot the Frogman several times. In 2016, he was happily retired down in Florida, but when the Frogman was back in the headlines, Mark heard about it. And, it turned out, Mark had a bit of a scoop, which he elected to share exclusively with WCPO, just days after Sam Jacobs' story. Mark told WCPO that, on that night in 1972, he had indeed been patrolling near the river on Kimper Road. And, he had indeed seen something run across the road a creature that he couldn't identify. And, as he told WCPO, I knew that no one would believe me, so I shot it. But Mark's story had changed 40-odd years after the fact. 
Instead of disappearing back into the river, the creature's remains stayed on the road. Mark gathered them and put them in his trunk to show his colleague, who verified that this was probably his frogman as well. And, strangers, these remains were of an iguana. Mark Matthews, who you'll recall in the 70s, had only said he didn't recognize the creature he'd been looking at, had apparently identified it after a bit of a delay. See, this was a big iguana, between three and three and a half feet long, and it was missing its tail. The theory posed in the WCPO article is that the iguana was somebody's pet, because, spoiler, iguanas are not native to Ohio, but it had either escaped or grown too big and been released. Mark suggested that it might even have been living near the industrial pipes along the river in an effort to keep warm. This was February in Ohio, after all. And the ensuing decades had not washed away any guilt Mark Matthews might have felt about shooting this poor iguana. Namely because, as he told WCPO, he had none. That thing was half dead anyway when I shot it. So, where was all this iguana information back in the 70s? Well, according to Mark Matthews, he had always been forthcoming about it. He just shared his account with the wrong type of people who left out the boring details and the mysterious half-truth caught fire. But, strangers, if we're being honest, lots of elements here don't sit right with us. Obviously, a three-foot-long iguana walking low to the ground looks very little like a three-to-four-foot-tall bipedal frog, we'd like to think, at least. The height difference alone is suspect, not to mention the different skin textures and the fact that iguanas don't tend to hop. There's also the conditions in Ohio in February. It makes a repeated iguana sighting unlikely at best, Per CBS, because iguanas are cold-blooded, they go into a kind of shock at temperatures below 50 degrees. In the 40s or lower, an iguana has a few hours before things get dicey, or should we say, icy. So, could an iguana have been keeping warm on industrial pipes and popping out to cross the street and spook some policemen occasionally? Sure, we suppose. But, per the farmer's almanac, Temperatures that week in February were cold in the Cincinnati metro area, like a consistent overnight low of zero degrees kind of cold. And then, of course, we need to consider the sighting in 1955, which gave birth to the moniker of the Loveland Frogman. Iguanas live maybe 20 years in the best conditions. Ohio is not the best conditions for an iguana. So, what do we do with that first sighting of the three bipedal leathery frogmen that smelled like almonds and alfalfa? Listen, strangers. Whether the Loveland Frogman, or Frogmen, are truly out there walking around Lake Isabella or the Little Miami River is not for us to determine. What we can say is that we clearly need to make it out to Loveland sometime soon to partake in some sweet, sweet frogman culture. In September of 2008, 
The Cincinnati Enquirer ran a piece advertising the schedule for that year's Loveland Frog Festival, and it looks to have been a pretty stacked lineup. A petting zoo, a pancake breakfast, a magician, a leapfrog race. While it seems the festival has since gone the way of the dinosaurs, a Loveland Frogman race, a triathlon to be exact, does seem to still happen every year. And if you're into physical discomfort and humanoid frogs, boy do we have the triathlon for you. Then there's the Loveland Frog Music Festival, which according to its Facebook page, featured, yes, local musicians singing about the Frogman. It appears to have launched in 2017 and petered out over the past few years, but we'll keep our webbed fingers crossed for a comeback. And then, of course, there's the musical. Yes, a musical. Hot Damn, It's the Loveland Frog is billed as a riotous bluegrass musical adaptation of Frogman sightings over the years. At a production in 2014, it would appear that puppetry, banjos, and a cardboard canoe all made an appearance. So, basically, all of our boxes are checked. This frogman culture is all objectively very funny, we know, but it's also a very potent demonstration of just why we love our cryptids, our otherworldly visitors, and our folklore. People have always seemed inclined to pick up an oddity and absolutely run with it. And so three sightings of a humanoid frog separated by decades, those become a unified story which is now a cultural institution unto itself. Much like other cryptids we've introduced you to on this show, it seems like the question is no longer whether the Loveland frogmen are real. The mythos is alive and well in Loveland, and that's what matters to its residents. It's a complicated but timeless example of human storytelling, process of building something wonderful out of close to nothing, it's a tale we tell time and time again on this show. But if you don't mind us saying so, we think this one is just especially riveting. Sorry. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers. One Strange Thing is independently produced. To support the show and hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There you'll get ad-free releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, blogs, and live streams, all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in our show notes. Thank you.